Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every month we pick a genre, we pick a, um, a filmmaker, we pick an actor, we pick something to talk about, and this month we're talking about anime, and today we're talking about... Akira. Katsuo Kaneda! Katsuo Kaneda! Akira. Have you been waiting all day to do that? You have no idea. The Tetsuo Kaneda meme is great. That is ancient internet. Interesting. I'm going to have to look into it. Yes, yes. But, um, yeah, so we're talking about Akira today. Uh, 1988. Uh, 1990 for the West. Yeah, uh, directed by Katsuhiro Otomo. Probably one of the most important anime films of all time. One of the most influential. Yeah, definitely most one of the most influentials. And this is going to be a weird conversation. You love weird conversations. I do. But to let everyone know, Akira is a movie that I hold in high regard as a technical achievement with probably one of the most dense and incoherent stories I have ever seen. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this movie. Uh, I watched the trailer right before I watched the movie and I was just kind of like, okay, that's going to give me more more clarity about what I'm going to watch. And I was like, yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, and for time, how how long did it take for the movie to completely take you out? Uh, it was when the children showed up, right? When we see the first blue old person child, I was just like, what is going on? After that, you were very confused because the movie decides to not explain anything. No, because, I mean, you get glimpses of this man protecting a child. You know, he basically gives his life for this child. And I'm thinking, oh my god, and you can tell that there's something off because, obviously, this kid is blue. Yes. So it's just like, okay. And has weird psychic magic powers. Well, I mean, you don't see that at first. You see, you know, he's being shielded by the man. And after that, it's just like, okay, what is going on? There's, like, biker gangs. There's a government conspiracy. There's giant metal supervillain kids at the end. There's been a third world war. It's just complete chaos. Yes, uh, and it is it is a beautiful chaos. I mean, visually, yes, it is a beautiful chaos. But story-wise, there's just a lot going on with the the blue children, uh, supervillains, uh, um, uh, motorcycle gangs, terrorist organizations, <laughs> government protests. Um, yeah. So everyone out there, we'll do a. I don't even know if we can do a plot summary. We can do a pitch. Okay, what is the best way you could describe this movie to somebody in an elevator? Like, hey, I heard you saw this movie, Akira. What's it about? Uh, it's about this... I keep wanting to say it's like this dystopian version of Tokyo. Where it's kind of, you know, it's not the Tokyo that we know. It's this... Neo-Tokyo? Neo-Tokyo that we're seeing that's been rebuilt over... Was it like uh, 30 years? Something like that, yeah. And it's just, you would think this rebuild would have progressed into something much bigger, much better, and it hasn't. It's just chaos and it, people are miserable. It's uh, They've turned the New York into Detroit. Why? Yeah, it, it's something. <laughs> but, but, I'm sorry. Okay, sorry, you caught me there. But it does have cool motorcycle scenes. It does have a lot of cool motorcycle scenes. So that would be my selling point. Yes, they're 
It's a movie with cool motorcycle scenes, some body horror, and there's a sick-ass Dragon Ball Z fight at the end. Yeah, and that was one of the things I told you before we started recording. I'm like, yeah, that kind of reminded me of Dragon Ball Z. And you're like, oh, you did pick up on that. I'm like, I haven't even watched Dragon Ball Z ever. So it's like... You, but you can tell. It's like, Tetsuo's hair. I know that haircut. I recognize that haircut. I did. And I was just like, what is going on here? It's a little too suspicious. Exactly. Well, that's probably the the thing about this movie that's more fascinating than the movie itself. Because the movie itself is... A very interesting... It's a cyberpunk action film. Yeah. And it's it's interesting. It's cool. There's some government stuff. It's like two plus hours long. You'll get a lot out of it. But what's really interesting is all the shit people took from it. Mm-hmm. Because I'm, I, got a, I got a list for you, okay? Now, there's the moment in the film called the Akira Slide. Yeah. Where Canada slides his sick-ass red motorcycle across the... The screen, it looks super cool. And that's one of Tetsuo's memories when he's... Transforming. Yeah. Transforming into Tetsuo the Iron Man. And it's, you know, we see a lot of Tetsuo's, like, you know, backstory and just to kind of see how he's molded into the supervillain. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of like a nice break where he's remembering Canada's uh, slide. Yeah. And it's just, you know, basically... Canada teaching him how to ride a motorcycle and, you know, okay, do, like, a suicide turn. Mm. And... It's really cool. Okay, so this is a short list of shows, movies, what have you, that have directly taken the Akira slide and have credited that, yeah, we took it from Akira. We have Batman the Animated Series, You're Under Arrest, Gargoyles, Air Master, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... That's the 2003 to 2009 series, for those who are wondering. Super Robot Monkey Team Hydro... Hyperforce Go. The fuck? Teen <laughs> Titans. Um, Star Wars The Clone Wars. Yu-Gi-Oh! Fresh Pretty Cure. Lupin the Third vs. Detective Conan. Pokemon Diamond Pearl. The list goes on. The, that, and it's also something it's that we just see... the slide. Well, yeah, even, uh, I'm thinking, like, the Nolan uh, Batman movies mm-hmm. when we have the bat bike and the bike turns that way. And it's like, yeah, that's what I thought when I was watching the movie. I'm like, I've seen this before. The bat cycle from the Nolan movies mm-hmm. looks a lot like Canada's motorcycle, except it's painted black. It's painted black. The wheels don't do what the wheels do in Batman. This is more, you yeah. know, like an actual motorcycle. I like how the anime where it's like your imagination is only your imagination is your only limit. And they still made a more realistic motorcycle than Christopher Nolan did in The Dark Knight. Just saying, that was a pretty cool-looking motorcycle. It is a pretty cool-looking motorcycle. Both of them. And But that's just that one image. Just that, just the slide with the motorcycle, yeah. right? And I know for a fact that there's this video. It's on YouTube. I think you can, anybody here can look it up. And it's literally an hour-long video breaking down, I think, the first five minutes of akira maybe 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 the first like 10 but it's something like that it's an hour-long video it's just breaking it down the first five minutes the first five minutes and it's literally just so every visual out because anime is unique yeah in filmmaking because every element you see is intentionally put there by a creative voice right yeah so anything everything you see in an anime that's there completely intentionally. They It wasn't like, oh, we caught that because the camera couldn't swing around this corner. 
no, everything in front of you is meant to be there. Yeah. So this guy breaks it down and he's like, because this was kind of the first big budget animated film or anime film, Mm -hmm. he's like, there's so much detail rich things going on here. It's animated at a frame rate that's so much higher than all the other anime films of the time that breaking it down, you can pick out the way they move here mimics specific movements of real people. You don't have frame loss that you get in a lot of anime Mm -hmm. where they're just like, oh, it's not nearly as detailed because, you know, you had somebody have to draw the arm moving from one side of the screen to the other. So the in-between's a little shaky. Or, Or the other parts where how the camera moves in this section. It's reminiscent of these things in this movie. And it's a very detailed breakdown of why this movie is so technically impressive. And it's only the first five minutes of the movie. That and this movie was also made on a nearly $10 million budget. Yeah. And not movie, you know, animated movie. Anim- yeah. It's a, it's, so it's, it's just a like. It's a cartoon. It's a, it, this was a $10 million cartoon. And it's like, yeah, you could see why it was $10 million. Because that is just so much that goes into this movie. Mm-hmm. That like you were saying, you know. Everything in the frame is in the frame for a reason. And it's just, you know, you've got decaying buildings, you've got uh, fences, you've got signs, and it's just... You have signs, you have dirt on the ground, there's great grime on everything. And, you know, we watched the the sub... No, no, sorry. We watched the dubbed version. Yeah. And we actually watched the recent dubbed version, the, yeah, the good the, one. The, it the, was in 2001 when we got... The re-release, and they, you know, they fixed the the dubbing with new voices. They fixed the soundtrack. I guess it cost them another million just to correct that. Yeah, it. That's the thing, because the movie comes out in '89, and not to anyone's um surprise, really, is this was a cult movie for the longest time. It made a bunch of money in Japan, but they don't. People don't really hold on to masters. Of stuff like this even back then so yeah it would it would probably take a million dollars just to recolor the fucking movie to make it like not so grainy on a re-release yeah and what i was uh what i'm gonna get back to for what we were talking about with everything that they wanted us to see it's like even with the dubbed version or when they were you know speeding past signs they made a point of even putting subtitles on the screen to let you know what that sign said so it's like everything even down to the signs are important in this movie oh yeah i mean it makes sense because the director of the film also wrote the manga or the comic book that Mm -hmm. it's based off of and it was a big deal because the manga was really popular yeah like i think marvel comics bought the distribution rights and they released it in america and whole whole nine yards and when they the company the production company came to him he would, he would only release the rights to the movie if he could direct it and he had creative control, mm-hmm. right? Basically, he got the Orson Welles deal of yeah. anime. And he he came out with a pretty fucking good movie. I mean, it it's, you know, Blade Runner with some, you know, cool tricks in it. But you know what I mean. Yeah, it has a lot of influences from films of the past. It's influenced a lot of things in, you know, modern day cinema and TV. But I, I know it's probably... Oh, I know you have more, but I know to you that this means a lot. It's also one of the few animated films that was released on the Criterion. It's true. It's one of three, I believe. 
Yeah, it's up there with, let's see. Uh, I know Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of them. And uh, Watership Down from 78. Yes. And I think this one's the third one. Yeah, which is really fascinating because I think this was only ever released on Laserdisc for Criterion. It, it was. Which, Laserdisc, it's coming back, boys. But speaking of, you know, Laserdisc, other things, well, I guess not Laserdisc, but the movie also has another bunch of influences on just anime series and manga. Things like Ghost in the Shell, Battle Angel, Alita, Cowboy Bebop, Serial Experimental Land, Elfin Lee, uh, live action movies named Tetsuo the Iron Man, Metal Gear Solid takes points from this, Final Fantasy VII takes points from this. Again, influences outside of anime. The, and I was that's able- the thing that fascinates about me about me about this. This the cultural impact on this movie is fucking everywhere. Yeah, and that was like one of the major things that I was picking up was um, Cowboy Bebop, which you made me watch. I think last year. You, yeah, I tried to make you watch it. I, I watched a good amount of episodes, but I mean, it was enough for me to be able to pick that up while watching this movie. Yeah. I mean, it's just an interesting thing when you watch the movie because, uh, like, you can see things in, like, other animes. You can see things in a lot of movies. I mean, a big one is, like, The Matrix. Like, The Matrix has stolen a lot from this movie. I mean, I was even picking up, like, Stranger Things, where they have these gifted children and they're, you know, they're testing them and they're pushing them to see, you know, okay, what can your ability do next? And they have these vague psychic powers Mm -hmm. that are never fully explained. And I love Stranger Things. <laughs> oh, I know I know you love Stranger Things. So that's why it was cool to see, like, okay, like, I, I could believe it that maybe this would be an inspiration for the series. Mm-hmm. And just to see how many other movies and series that this has influenced. Yeah. And I mean, I, I know everybody were harping on this movie has influence, 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 but it's it's the big thing to talk about it's kind of yeah. crazy how how much this movie has influenced the world outside of it because let, let's talk about the movie itself just for a quick second okay because would you call this a good movie and i mean and i mean that like you were able to follow it fully entertained by it dug the care like was this a good movie you would watch again i don't know i mean it's a good movie Technical wise, story wise, it wasn't. It just wasn't really for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other animes like Perfect Blue, which I really enjoyed the like the psychological thriller behind it. Mm-hmm. This to me was just kind of like, okay, you know, if we were dealing with like this World War Three and you know basically the city in shambles and it's basically you know everyone's out for themselves because everyone's a threat. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, I could go with that, but it's like, once we started getting in, like, the psychic kids and the supervillains, it was just like... How the psychic kids are touching into genetic memories of the universe, and amoebas into gods, and... Yeah, it was just a lot to grasp. Yeah, and I think that's something I want to talk about, is this movie's story, its plot, is really dense, and it does not really explain a lot to you yeah because i've i've seen this movie i don't know three or four times i think over the course of my life Mm -hmm. and i still can't 100 percent articulate exactly what's happening in the movie all right and that's you know for a lot of reasons because i'm like oh this movie's really cool there's fucking motorcycles and explosions that's just badass but the other one is 
I don't really know exactly what Akira is. I yeah. think he's a he's like one of the psychic kids, but then he became like a god, and be, be, went like nuclear. Yeah, because we see like that, like energy. For me, it looked like a crown, but mm. it was like you know the energy thing that they were just kind of like you know this is Akira. Oh, this this is our reading. That's this is the hologram of of, of of Akira's power level. So I'm just like you know is that what Akira is? It's not like this god or this being. It's just force or energy. Yeah, because the movie's talking a lot, and it's like subscri- like subscribing godlike power and godlike knowledge to akira the being but then akira's like oh he created the big he's creating another big bang within tokyo and then it's like what where does where do all the psychic kids go where does akira go where does tetsuo go because Mm -hmm. they disappear at the end did they go to the beginning of the universe and that's the alternate universe like, does this deal with alternate dimensions? And See, and that's the thing. The movie's really thought-provoking, like, what's going on here, like, trying to, like, break it apart. But it's also, like, I, I could just read the manga, but, like, even Otomo didn't finish the fucking manga when he wrote the, the fucking movie. And that was the thing at the end where, you know, Tetsuo goes, and we just basically hear his voice, and I'm like, well, is that what Akira is, too? It's just this you know, just this entity that's in the universe and can, you know, reappear when it wants to or it needs to be summoned back. Is Tets- is Tetsuo like Akira now? Has he transcended? Mm. That That's the whole thing where, you know, it's transcension's a big thing in this movie where it's just like, is that going to happen to everybody? Is everyone going to transcend into Akira? Like, is it like a cult? Yep. That's another thing. We have the cult thing going on in the movie mm-hmm. where they're worshipping Akira. And, like, literally they're worshipping Akira. Mm-hmm. Like, this thing in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. And I'm wondering... So, Akira is able to communicate outside of its being, even though, like, we see what Akira is and he's just body parts in jars, right? Yeah. So, Akira is able to, like, psychically, like vibrate out into the universe and he's like influencing these people and they're creating this cult and the movie okay is this movie a critique or a discussion on god and religion and what god could be or is i think this movie is a discussion on the possibility of anything because it feels like so much could happen within the universe and that's kind of what we get in this movie it's Mm -hmm. just you know we have the ability to have these individuals that could basically be like these demigod versions of themselves, which mm. we get with Tetsuo, who, you know, you know, translates into Iron Man. And it's yeah. just like, okay, so if Tetsuo didn't have a, a shitty uh, growing up experience, could he have been a superhero instead of more of like a supervillain? Super yeah, because also... Tetsuo, when he becomes, like, supervillain Tetsuo with the, like, m- m- uh, metal arm and shit. Yeah. That's, like, he needs to be in a Marvel movie or something. That's he looks so That's just sitting there, cool. like, what is happening? Because is it after he gets the metal arm where it's, like, the skin's trying to fuse back over the the metal? Yes, yeah. He, yeah, he gets the metal arm and then his flesh starts to morph around it and then he starts absorbing things and he turns into like this giant Cronenbergian 
body horror monster. And he's like, you know, swallowing up Canada with his arm. And it's just like, what is going on? Because <laughs> it's like, it's the them, because it's them fighting. They're fighting the whole movie. And it's, you know, Tetsuo telling Canada, I could be my own person. You don't have to protect me. I'm not that little boy anymore that didn't have anyone to protect him. Mm. And towards the end, you know, it's kind of like, well, I don't want to lose you and I don't want to lose you either. And it's just, it's kind of sad to see the two of them ripped apart. Yeah, because the movie does talk a lot about about that is like their friendship, their core mm-hmm. friendship and kind of like their power dynamics because mm-hmm. like Canada is obviously the leader. Yeah. Like he he's the one who actually makes decisions. He's the strong one. His whole thing is like, this protector guy and and is very masculine likes beating people up and you know runs a, a street game or whatever mm-hmm. and tetsuo is kind of a how would you describe tetsuo kind of weak like he, weak will he's kind of like the little brother mm-hmm. where you know he's following around and it's kind of like all right you're part of the pack but it really you know you're you're uh Akeda's number two so it's like we kind of have to let you be with us and Tetsuo is like, you know, no, I can be a leader on my own. I can do this. And he kind of takes a, a hard left turn when he... As soon as he has power, he is yeah. corrupted. Yeah, you know, he starts killing um, their friends, pe- the the guy that runs the bar that they hang out in. Mm-hmm. So, of a score of nameless military henchmen. Yeah, but, uh, but just to show, like, you know, the people around him where it's like you'd think, okay... They had an impact on me growing up, so I'm going to protect them. And it's just, no, he's just, you know, mowing through people. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 that's another thing, is like the power in this movie. Because, you know the phrase, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm-hmm. As soon as Tetsuo has this godlike power, he, again, he does not take the turn of being, you know, good or at least helping his friends out. He turns into a fucking monster. Or with great power comes great responsibility and... Again, he just takes a hard, you know, hard, hard turn. Hard turn. And it's just like... Right into the brick wall. Yeah, hard right. And it's just like, no, I'm going to go the evil way. It's just like... And I mean, that's another thing. You know, we start to see slowly his powers when he's in the hospital bed, you know, mm-hmm. being able to have the cup of water, you know, come to him. Yeah. And then we get the toys. <sighs> is, that Boo's, is that Boo's nightmare fuel scene of the day? Well, I was just like, okay, like, you know... Well, they have him locked up. How are these toys in here? You know, I'm assuming he doesn't have any visitors. And then the toys come to life. Mm -hmm. And then the toys start leaking milk. They're like larger than life. And they're just like oozing milk. And I'm just like, it's a fucking nightmare. I'm like, what is happening in this scene? And and then Tetsuo like cuts his foot on on a piece of glass. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out, oh, it's the little blue kids. And they have, like, sending mental mind images to Tetsuo, and it's like, what the fuck? And then you have the one blue kid that looks like, you know, uh, Professor X and his, you know, flying little... Little, yes, his flying little wheelchair. And it's just like, what is happening? It's like, there's X-Men, there's little blue old people, children. The next scene right after this is is straight... Um, ripped off in Stranger Things when they're in the um, little hospital. Yeah. And it's the flashing light and the thing explodes and there's blood everywhere. Like, I, I think I've seen that exact shot in, like, Stranger Things or what, one of those, like, hospital or, like, mob or hospital monster movie things. Yeah, and it's just, you know, because it's not like Stranger Things where it's, 
you know, Demogorgons and stuff. It's more that the people are the monsters. Tetsuo is the monster. He's, and, yeah. well, I mean, before that, you know, Tetsuo is just a, another kid. Yeah. And then... Another dirty delinquent. A, another, you know, biker kid. Because ah. we have so many of those. Where, but, where are these kids getting these fucking motorcycles, by the way? I mean, because that, you know... Uh, Tetsuo is like 15 and he's got a fucking Harley. Where are you getting that? He stole it, right? I don't know. I wish I had a sweet, you know, red motorcycle with a Canon sticker on it just to show, yeah, I'm into photography. <laughs> is, is Canada into photography? Is that what the Canon sticker is? To me, that looks like the Canon logo. So, Do, do you think um, Canada, when he's not, you know, rolling around on his, on, his, on his hog, knocking people with pipes, you know, chasing down, beating up street gangs. He's out saving in the, K. Saving K. He's out in the country, you know, taking nice still life. Maybe maybe in some nice tasteful black and white on this cannon. I mean, why not? Oh, you, yeah. you got the bike. You can just speed through traffic, and you know, oh, okay, perfect. I'm gonna take this landscape shot before golden hour. Do, does Canada strike you as like a landscapes guy? Maybe he's one of those like urban photographers. You know, takes people mm. pick takes picture of you know the gangs he's beaten up, and he's like, look at the plight of the city. Oh, look at the the world around me. Or architectural. Could be an architect guy. Architectural, you know, kind of journalistic to show just the, the decay of home around him. Ah, oh, yes, yes. Tetsuo, or Canada. 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 He's truly a, 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 a repressed artist if I've ever seen one. Oh. Also, what is the pill me on the back of his jacket? I have no idea. <laughs> That's how I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, it's a pill. But I'm like, but what does it mean? I'm like, maybe they're going to say it later in the movie. No, I, I wonder if it's a if it's a thing where they're supposed to be like drug runners, and he's like, oh, he's like an amphetamines drug runner, and that's why he has the little pill thing on there. But that's also like dumb. Or is he a hard pill to swallow, and then he just comes and punches you in the face? I, that 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 might be the most edge lord bullshit I have <laughs> ever heard in my fucking life. You're welcome. I, oh, sweet Jesus! <laughs> that was so fucking bad. <laughs> It's an answer. You're welcome. It is an answer. It is an answer. I, I give you that. I give you that. All right, but but yeah, like I like how we just get all that because of the fucking cannon sticker. But I I do. Uh, what the fuck are we talking about? I got lost. Uh, we were talking about something. Whatever. Let's let's keep rolling because I all in all, I think this movie is really interesting. I think there's a lot of chewable themes. I think it's executed pretty well. Like, technically, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. It's just, like, the plot, the character, the story stuff. It's interesting once you maybe take a step back and you kind of chew on it, like, you know, like a piece of uh, art, you know? Oh, it's the, the toffee of cinema. I'll say, how much are you chewing on? Don't worry about it. Is that why we don't go to museums as often? Are you chewing on displays? I mean, I'm just saying, Rembrandts are delicious. Oh, wow. But... With this, it's like watching it, I really enjoyed it as kind of a weird sci- like sci-fi action flick. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of what it is at the heart of it. It's like a sci-fi action flick that has some some pretty decent chewable themes to it. Yeah. Because, like, the big ones, it's talking about, like, God, power, corruption, government, family, family you know, friendship. It, it hits a lot of beats. Yeah. And it's just... It's like, what do you latch on to? Because it's, the movie moves at a good pace. Yeah. But it's just, if there's a video, an hour-long video breaking down the first five minutes, it's like, is this a movie that you have to keep watching 
over and over and over again to pick up, you know, even more that you missed out the first couple of times? I would think so. I mean, again, I think I said this was my fifth time seeing it. And I definitely get a lot more out of it every time I watch it. This is definitely one of those movies. Mm -hmm. And it's also interesting um, because this is the first time you've ever seen it at all. So I'm just curious if somebody if somebody were to see this for the first time would you recommend like giving maybe watching a little it a few times before you decide if you like it or not i mean i think i'd have to ask if they watch anime to begin with cuz if they do then it's like well yeah absolutely go watch it but if they're going to be like you know okay i want to you know start watching anime should i jump into this first and it's like i don't know it's it's a, this would probably not be a good jumping on point. No, it feels like a very jam-packed movie. And it's like, and I'm still trying to process and figure it out. And it's like, well, I don't want to give it to somebody else and be like, what did you just, you know, throw me into? I'm like, I don't know. I'm the there too. The the pool, that's what I threw you into. I mean, you got, um, you know, the the children that they're trying to protect and trying to figure them out at the same time. Uh, you have... This weird government council that's, like, destroying the country. They're destroying the the country. You have the spies that are going in and trying to help. But one of them's a double agent, and it's... Yeah, and I was like, are we gonna get a triple agent? Please let us get a triple agent. (laughs) Oh, God. And then not only that, you also have, like, like Tetsuo transformations going on Mm -hmm. in the... The movie is jamming a lot of information and a lot of plot. Yeah. In granted, a pretty decently sized movie. The movie's over two hours. Yeah. But it really feels like this should probably have worked better as like a series. That's what I was thinking. Like, because it's a lot, it's sensory overload to the max. Yeah. Because I I believe the um, manga series it's based off of, it's like over a thousand pages probably more i think when um the director uh katsuhiro tomo was doing storyboard work and and basically putting the t- movie together mm-hmm. he's like oh my original notebook was eh, so it was like three thousand pages but don't worry i chopped it down to a reasonable precise like 750 pages like we're just gonna go a seven fifty, that'll be fine. But even then, you're you're paring down like thousand, like a pl- thousands of plus pages of material. Yeah. And you're cutting a lot out, and it's like we only keep the important stuff. But it feels like there's so much outside of this movie that I just want context to. Yeah, and I agree with you. Where this probably should have been a series, mm-hmm. where you know whether it's thirty minutes or an hour per episode. At least, you know, you could kind of build up and it's like, okay, now I understand this better. Now I understand that better. Now I see the connection of this and that. But with this, it's like they're trying to put everything in there at the same time. And it's like, okay, you got to absorb all this information. And it's like, if I keep absorbing, I'm going to be just as big as Tetsuo. Because <laughs> there's just so much depth in this movie. Yeah. And I think I would recommend this to people. I think I think I would. I would definitely say it's, like, if you're into anime, it's a much easier watch. But I think if you're into just, like, like uh, movies that are um, popcorn flicks on the surface that are try- that are saying deeper things, I think you could dig it. I- I'd even I- think if you're, like, into art house, that this would probably be in that wheelhouse of yeah. an art film. Yeah, I mean, honestly, this 
it kind of reminds me a little bit of like a John Carpenter movie where it's a definitely it's a genre flick on, on the surface. Everything about this is genre. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely something underneath that there's an artistic voice behind everything. And there's reasons why everything's on screen and it's presented the way it is. Is it reminding you of um, Escape from New York? Oh, yes. Incredibly. A- like anything city- for us to talk about Kurt Russell. Escape from New York is a masterpiece. But that's the thing. Like, if you watch this movie, like, watching the movie, it kind of looks like Escape from New York. Yeah. Escape from New York, Blade Runner. Yeah. It's like you can see... A little bit of alien thrown in there. A little bit of alien thrown in there, yeah. Uh, You could see, you know, movies of the past, shows of the past. But it's just like, it leaves you wanting more. Because I feel like I didn't, you know... Get all of it. Get all the story. And I wonder if that's why so many people gravitated towards this movie. Because I know people like um, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, the Wachowskis, they all saw this movie and they took things from the film and put it within their own work i mean the wachowskis it's it's apparent like the matrix is a live action anime film it Mm -hmm. takes things from ghost in the shell akira even like speed racer in a weird way like you can just see a lot of anime influence in the matrix yeah and with george lucas for the star wars prequel series like you see air of akira especially in clone wars or Attack of the Clones, like the second one. But also yeah. Clone Wars, like the cartoon series. Like, you but, see the it cartoon, in there. But, yeah, we also get, um, you know, Anakin on the speeder bike. Yeah. And we get those, you know, long he, shots of him going down the desert. And we're seeing that, you know, with Akeda on the freeway. You And I think I think Anakin even does the Akira slide. I'm pretty sure. Once we get to, like, the, the Tuscan village. Yeah. And, I mean, even beyond that, like, there's just a lot in this movie that i see in so many other things which makes it so uniquely interesting to me yeah like that's why i I think i keep coming back to this movie is like i just saw another movie that i can see has stolen something from akira let me go back to akira and see if i can like gleam more out of it and every time i go back to it i gleam a little bit more well yeah i mean it's a pillar and people just keep taking more and more influence from it and from that you know this movie keeps growing bigger and bigger because it's it's influential it's a titan (laughs) it's a titan yeah yeah i mean like even even like studio ghibli they they have taken stuff from this yeah and you could see i mean that's even you know a point of a point of discussion is just there was war in the previous movie that we watched there's war in this movie and it's just different to see the extremes of war in the two movies yeah where we have you know the characters like in Hal's moving castle where they don't want to be in the war they try to you know like Hal tries to escape the war Mm. and in this movie it's like they have you know no choice there's you know bombs going off there's just absolute insanity going on and they're just you know immersed in it yeah and i think that's another thing the the movie has like this this definite cultural commentary because like oh they're talking about like world war three and this is like the aftermath the destruction of tokyo and this is what all these people are living within and all these things it's talking about you know oh after world war two and japan was completely decimated and had to basically rise from the ashes Mm -hmm. and create basically modern japan yeah 
And I think Akira is commentating on that. Like, the delinquents, the quote-unquote, like, juvenile delinquency mm-hmm. that run, that ran rampant in Japanese, Japan and Japanese mm-hmm. society in, like, the 60s, 70s, 80s, so on and so forth, that was a result of, oh, World War II happened, these, you know, big, huge cultural moment. It rebuilt from the ashes into, like, a more modern society, and because... The rebuild also had, like, Western influences in the United States because of a whole geopolitical thing. Not a history podcast. Like, no. you had Western influences on, on Japan, and then, like, there's delinquency out of that because there's excess and this and that. And the movie is definitely a product of of not only its time, but its culture. And it's yeah. really fascinating. Yeah, and I mean, there's even I, I'm you know still trying to think of like movie references and this and that. Uh, oh, was, oh, you want you want a few of them? All right, all right. Uh, let me let me throw some uh, at you. So, uh, Ready Player One, uh, Dark City, Chronicle, Looper, The Dark Knight, Midnight Special, Inception, Godzilla, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Fun fact: Every director who has who made those movies stated explicitly that Akira was an influence, in yeah. one way or the other. But I was also thinking, like, you know, the stuff with the, the biker gangs and, you know, this is my territory. We're going to, you know, destroy this town that we come to. Kind of reminded me of Brando and the Wild One. Yeah. Where they, you know, come into the town and they kind of take over and there's a fight with another gang that comes in. And it's just like, huh, okay. It's just, you know, seeing those subtle references. Yeah, like that teenage rebellion. Yeah. The angst, the anger. That's a lot of the movie. It's like, it's it's that youth of rebellion. Yeah. Because, what is it? Kay, she's a youth and she's rebelling. She's rebelling against the government. Mm-hmm. Tetsuo, he gains all this power. He's rebelling against, like, Everybody. everyone around him. And even Canada, like, with the small amount of power he has of his gang, you know, he creates that family unit. And he's just rebelling against, like, society. You know, mm-hmm. he's becoming the juvenile delinquent. And it's just interesting that the movie has this air of rebellion to it. Mm-hmm. And this feels like a punk rock fucking anime Oh, movie. yeah. But, um, yeah, so that that's Akira. Um, is there anything else you wanted to jump on? No, I mean, this was more your movie. I thought you liked the movie a lot more. I or, appreciate the or, hell or out of it. Or not liked movie. it, but I thought you loved this movie. <laughs> yeah, like, that's... That is a thing where it's like, I appreciate this movie. I think this movie is incredibly important. Enshrined in in the pantheon of, of touchstones of cinema. Like, this movie is important. I appreciate the hell out of it. I like the movie a lot. It's just one of those movies that I, I never fell in love with. Okay. It's probably a movie, you know, after you watch it like 12 times, you fall in love with it. I'm only on part five. So, so you got a ways to go. Ways to go. But next week, this is a movie I've only ever seen once. And I fell in love with it immediately. Are you sure? I'm very sure. Okay. This movie's great. It's done by a director we've had on the show previously. Okay. It's also a movie that has a lot of influence. They would say Inception stole the plot of this movie completely. And this is Paprika, done by Satoshi Kon, the director of Perfect Blue. And I did like Perfect Blue a lot. Yes, and Paprika is very good. Very good. I I was a huge fan of this. I saw this at the um, Frida Cinema in Santa Ana. It was a definite experience, and I think you're really going to dig this one. It's a lot more like psychological thriller, dreamy. I think you'll like this one. All right, I'm excited. Or you will find it far more dense and is completely inaccessible uh, that Akira will look like, you know, Blue's Clues to you. 
Oh, well, I think we're going to have to wait till next week to see if I can figure it out. Yes, and if you wanted to see that next week, where can they go? Well, if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Yeah, you can go to our YouTube channel, The Film Vault. That's The Film Vault on YouTube, where you can watch our podcast, listen to them, and have some fun on The Film Vault YouTube. I said it three times, you have to go now. You have to like, follow, and subscribe. Exactly. And if you want to, you know, follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at the Film Club Podcast, where we post about upcoming movies that we're talking about, our adventures, random facts about movies. And with that, we'll see you next week at the Film Club. Peace. Peace.